Thanks for joining Walt and me today. My name is Brenda McCord. Each week, we look forward to sharing lessons from God's Word. This podcast, Walk with God, is part of our ministry, Discover God's Truth. We invite you to visit the website and subscribe at discovergodstruth.org, where you can grow and be encouraged in your personal walk with the Lord. We appreciate the outreach ministry of TheAwakeningWorldwide.com. Welcome, friends. Walt and I want you to know this weekly podcast, Walk With God, is part of our new ministry, Discover God's Truth. You know, additional features are offered during the week to strengthen and encourage you in God's Word. Please subscribe to our website, discovergodstruth.org. We've shared the link in the show notes below. Well, over the past few days, I've been reading and reflecting on chapter one in the book of 1 Peter. There's something about marinating on words, and I think Psalm 1 talks about meditating on God's word. Oh, for sure. And the words of verse three have just captured my attention According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And as I've thought about that, it's God the Father, that one almighty, his great mercy has been extended. He has caused us to be born again. He's called us. He's chosen us as sons and daughters, to be part of that inheritance, he has given a living hope. And I've, I've just thought about, you know, that living hope. And, and that's visualized through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And really, that contest between living hope and dead and then being raised up with Christ like he was resurrected, we now have a living hope. We are now alive in him. I love that contrast. And to be united with Christ in, the, in that resurrection, right? And in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 to 8, so we are always of good courage, We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You know, as we talk about what this walk looks like, and we're, we talked last week a lot about that it's a walk of hope. And today we want to talk about it's a walk in holiness. We want to walk in holiness, but we've got good courage and courage is the determination to not let fear stop you. And I've got to go to a head to heart here. If I'm going to live in good courage, you know, trusting in the Lord as my true source of strength to face each new day, it's one day at a time. We don't have what we need for tomorrow. We have, we have to live in today. That's the strength he's promised for today. Well, we have two friends from our days when we were in Chicago at Moody Graduate School, Wayne and Rebecca. They have a precious family. They are both fighting cancer, and Wayne is now on palliative care, 
Rebecca has just completed chemo and will soon begin radiation treatments. They are two examples of always walking with good courage. Their smiles, tears, laughter, their very bold testimonies, they walk by faith. For now, they're at home in the body here on this earth. They haven't been called home, but we have been truly humbled and we pray for them regularly. We've been humbled by their good courage. The day will come for each of us who have trusted personally in the saving grace of Jesus. In First Peter, though you have not seen him, you love him. Wayne and Rebecca love him. They walk by faith. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And what? We rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, and and Peter continues this thought on salvation and how unique it is. Um, This Passover lamb, the prophets, they... The Old Testament has all these images and all these teachings on it, the anticipation of Messiah's arrival, the teaching in Isaiah about a suffering servant who sprinkles the nations clean. And he really summarizes this starting in verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 1. He said, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours, they searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicated when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and then the subsequent glories, that suffering and glory theme. And it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you, to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. You know, if you're going through hardships, uh, uh, the one we follow, the, the one we are to model our lives after, he went through sufferings, rejection, mocking, um, yet he realized the subsequent glories. That's our pattern. That's our pattern, that we go through sufferings here on earth. We have trials and tribulations, but, but that there's a coming glory. I love this idea of inquiring prophets and curious angels. The prophets repeatedly, twice, they're inquiring, what, what does this mean? What, what, how is this going to be? And then the angels long to look. They're looking, and um, what is this going to be? We've known God's eternal son. He's glorious. But now, as he's become the God-man, Jesus Christ, he's suffering. That's outrageous. He's God's eternal son. In John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. That's what God wants us to have in the midst of the sufferings, in the midst of the the outrageous things of life. And then Jesus goes on and says this, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Those are such good thoughts that we will have trouble, we will have sufferings in this world. And then lastly, when we think about the angels, I love Jesus said this in Matthew 26, verses 53 to 56, when we think about the angels looking and longing, do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? 
But then how should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? The scriptures of a suffering servant sprinkling the nations clean. He goes on, at that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out to see me as a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not see me. But all this has taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. See the prophets? Then all the disciples left him and fled. I I love this idea that the angels are just waiting at the edge of heaven for the command to go, 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 protect the sun, go, destroy all these wicked people. And though we shouldn't see an exact number of angels. A Roman legion varied from about 3,000 to 6,000 men. And if you had 12 legion of angels, just imagine this. This could easily be more than 60,000 angels. And it's not about the number. It's the point that there is a heavenly host, an army just waiting. And now they were waiting to, to say, is it time? Is it time to set all things right? They also were waiting and trying to figure out, Lord, how can it be that your eternal son must suffer? How can it be that these sinners are going to kill the Holy One of God? And I'm just reminded in Isaiah 37, where one angel struck down 185 Assyrian soldiers in one night. And, and when the people arose, behold, they were all dead bodies. And when I think about that, the angels, they're, they're, they're longing to protect Jesus. But in this passage, they're longing to understand, Lord, how can it be that the Messiah, that the King, that your eternal son must suffer? How can that be? And when we continue, even in Peter's words here, we're, we're, we remember back that earlier verse where it said, rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. And that really comes to play here. The things that the angels look into, they're, they're, they're listening to this good news and they're, they're, tr- they, they wish that they could understand it, right? And, and yet here is our joy and they certainly surround in heaven and experience the joy of heaven. But Peter encourages his readers, find joy in your sufferings, even, even when you can't see when or how your trial will end. When, when will this end? Will it, will it be here on earth that you'll realize how that will be resolved? Or will it not be until you take your final breath here and you're face to face with your Savior in heaven. Rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. And he goes on now in verse 13, giving us, really, these are some practical steps that Peter's going to give us. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, I'm going to stop there in these two verses. I just want to break down some of these pieces. Therefore, so whenever we see therefore, we stop as a student of God's word and we say, what is that therefore? And the reason Peter has put the, this in here is he wants us to pause. He's been laying as it is a foundation for us that we have our salvation and there's joy and yes, there's trial, but we're to be rejoicing because the reward is coming, right? And so what Peter says is prepare your minds for action. 
be sober-minded. And the idea here is that we're in control of our actions and our words. And you know, Brenda, one of the translations in prepare your minds is it, it's a good translation, but but really this word in the Greek is often used as a military term. And and it's 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 translated other places, gird up your minds for action. And there's these can, commands, gird up your minds, be sober-minded, set your hope. These these commands are commands you would give to a soldier, and really girding up. You think of in the Middle East, they would have a robe on, but when they were getting ready for battle, they would gird that up so they could move more quickly and more succinctly. They they could be ready for whatever action, for military action. What he's saying is, in the midst of this life, you need to be like a soldier. You need to get ready, and you need to be ready to take a command. You need to be obedient. It's obedient to the master as children are to their parents. That's what they're supposed to be, that obedience and that girding up and that getting ready for action. And even as you say that and you think of that military mindset, Walt, um, of girding up, in order to prepare your minds and be sober-minded and set your hope, it it's not... Um, for the faint of heart, right? It's not for the faint no, of heart. No. We, and so I like really what you've shared here with that whole military aspect of it is we, we need to apply ourselves. It, it should not be, you know, in any way something that's lackadaisical at all. We, and, and I think about it, um, right here is, I've got to be in God's word, right? Where am I going to get this source of strength? Where am yeah. I, where am I actually going to prepare my mind so that those thoughts that I'm thinking, the actions, my conduct, um, all my, the words that are coming out of my mouth so that they are in line with how God wants me to live, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so set your hope fully on the grace, the grace that you will receive when Christ returns. You know, it's, um, I love that whole idea of sanctification, right? Because it's sanctification at, you know, in the past when we've received that gift of salvation, but there's sanctification happening in you and in me today as we continue to grow in our personal relationship with the Lord and he's teaching us, but there's a future sanctification coming. And that's the idea here is that your hope is fully on the grace that's coming when Christ returns. He will reward our faithful commitment Friends, do you hear that? That that today, as we walk faithfully with the Lord, He's He's keeping um, that check card as it is. He's keeping those notes right, and that will lead right into glorification when we're with the Lord. Lord, and this future reward merits the discomfort of our current trials troubles and sacrifices. Now, friends, that's a really hard sentence. And I have to say, I had trouble just even writing that down. And because it's not one of those that that is easy to swallow, right? The future reward merits the discomfort of our current trials, troubles and sacrifices. When we live as obedient children, so that's what he tells us in verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed 
to the passions of your former ignorance. In other words, those who've stopped allowing their sinful thoughts, actions, and passions to dominate their world. And and we're not going to live sin-free. We know that. But I'm reminded of these words in Romans 12, too, uh, where Paul is calling, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. Remember, Peter said, prepare your mind for action. Renew your mind. That is by testing that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And really, as we change that mind and we have that mindset, Peter ends this section by, by making this very clear and calling us to an example from the Old Testament. Verse 15 says this, But as he who called you is holy, as the Lord, as Jesus Christ, as the Spirit of God has called you, you also need to be holy in all your conduct. Your life should look different. And then he refers to this wonderful passage out of Leviticus. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Let me just read you Leviticus 11.45. Listen to this. God says, for I am the Lord who brought you up from the land of Egypt in order to be your God. Thus you shall be holy, for I am holy. You know, here Moses is saying that the Lord God redeemed his chosen people from slavery in Egypt. He redeemed Israel. And then he called them to be holy as he is holy. And here Peter is saying, Jesus redeems his chosen people, the church, from slavery. Not slavery in Egypt, but our slavery to sin. And he calls us to be holy as he is holy. This Hebrew word is kadosh, and it means unique, distinct, separate, different. We're not to be the same. We're not to be plain. We're not to be ordinary. We're not to be conformed to this world. We're to be different. And as we have already seen, as aliens earlier in this chapter, sprinkled with his blood, were called to be holy living in this troubled world. As obedient children, in verse 14, we're not to be conformed to the passions of our former ignorance. We're to be unique. We're to be distinct. We're to be different. And I'm going to pray in closing that God would do that in our life. Would you join me as I pray? Spirit of God, um, the third person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit, we need your strength and your guidance, your power and your wisdom to increasingly become a holy people for you. I need that. Spirit of God, I need you to make me more holy. We need you to make us more holy. You've redeemed us from our slavery to sin through faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. You've called us to be unique, to be distinct, to be separate, to be different than this world. Living as aliens, sprinkled with his blood, we're called to holy living in this troubled world. So we desire to be obedient children, not conformed to the passions of our former ignorance. We ask that you would help make us holy, and thank you for this opportunity to study your word together as we desire to walk with God. I pray this in the precious name of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this lesson from God's Word. Walk with God is part of the teaching ministry of Discover God's Truth. Visit our website at discovergodstruth.org. We appreciate the outreach ministry of theawakeningworldwide.com.